RadioInfluence.com. This is Beyond the Badge on Radio Influence. A look inside the biggest and most controversial news stories you need to know now. One of the country's most relied upon law enforcement analysts, Vincent Hill. Hey, good evening and welcome to Beyond the Badge. Of course, I am your host, Vincent Hill, and it is great to be back. We were out last week, of course, because of the 4th of July. I hope everyone had a great holiday. I had a very relaxing holiday. I went to Stone Mountain, did my my hike up the mountain, said my prayers, came back down the mountain, and pretty much relaxed the rest of the day. That's something I don't get a chance to do too often. Usually on the 4th of July, I'm down in Collins, Mississippi with the McNair family. Of course, you know, I've written two books about Steve McNair and his murder. But this year, I didn't get a chance to get to Mississippi. Uh, so I just relaxed, took some time to myself, cleared my mind. And now, of course, we're back right here on Beyond the Badge. You know, I, I want to talk about a tragic shooting of a state trooper up in New York uh, and how it kind of hits close to home for me, not because he was a state trooper, but when I talk about this case, you'll know why it hits kind of close to home with me. But first, I want to revisit just for a few minutes the Philando Castile shooting. So apparently the officer who was acquitted, Officer uh, Geronimo Yanez, has left the department. And basically, the day he was acquitted, the city came out and said the public would uh, be served. And apparently, there's some kind of deal that took place between Inez and the city uh, that pretty much was a separation agreement stating he would leave the police department. Uh, You know, I don't know exactly how I, I feel about that. Because, A, it sounds like when I hear separation agreement, kind of sounds like there's some severance pay that went along with that. And I think there was in this agreement. Uh, but more importantly, I don't agree with it because at the end of the day, whether you uh, agree with the shooting of Orlando Castile, whether you don't, Officer Yanez was acquitted by a jury of the charges. And in my opinion, again, whether you agree with the video or you don't agree with the video, in my opinion, Officer Yanez, or or I guess Mr. Yanez now, since he's no longer an officer, reacted based on what he perceived as an immediate threat against his life. So he didn't do anything wrong based on that immediate threat or what he perceived as an immediate threat, and he was acquitted by a jury. And don't forget, there were black people on that jury. So for the city to tell the community, oh, you'll be served, and then to terminate this officer really is just appeasing to the community because there were riots. There were all of these protests up during the time of the shooting. And I'm sure the city was thinking since this officer was acquitted, if they didn't take some type of action, that the city possibly could burn. 
like a Baltimore or a St. Louis. So I think at the end of the day, even though this officer was cleared, he became a scapegoat to appease the community. So now this officer, not only is his career over, let's look at it a different way. If you watch the video, if you watch the video, the officer is clearly traumatized by what just happened. So now that this officer doesn't have the health benefits of his department, let's look at something really important here. How is this officer going to get treatment for PTSD, post-traumatic stress? Because I assure you, there's some PTSD going on right now, and there's some PTSD that was going on since the shooting in this officer's mind. So now not only does he still have to deal with that, he now has to deal with not having a job, which is adding on to his PTSD. So rather than trying to appease the community, why didn't this department in this city say, hey, first, we're going to get this officer some help, some counseling? Because he was involved in a shooting, not just a shooting, but a shooting that took a life. So there's certain things that you have to do to debrief and to de-stress from that situation. And Mr. Yanez was never offered that by his department nor by the city. But what he was offered was to be a sacrificial lamb to appease the community and to and appease these activist groups that the city feared would come in and cause disruption to their city. I can think of countless times where officers were acquitted of charges and remained on the job, and they're still on the job to this day, but not Yanez because of the national attention his case got, because it streamed on Facebook. Is that right? And let's not forget that the family of Orlando Castile got over $3 million in a wrongful death lawsuit. All the while, the jury acquitted Officer Mr. Yanez of manslaughter. So why is this individual, Mr. Yanez, now without employment? Now without getting the help he needs? Yeah, he can go to another department because... If he was separated and not fired, he still keeps his credentials. He still keeps his post-certification. But really, why would he want to do that at this point? And not only that, think about it. His name has made national news. Departments likely won't hire him just because they don't want the publicity that would come from the public. Oh, you hired this killer. Oh, you hired this racist. Oh, you hired this guy that's scared. He overreacted. Why did you hire this guy? So now what is Yanez to do with his life? Now, granted, again, I'm not ever saying it's great to lose a loved one. I understand Orlando Castile's mom is grieving. I don't really believe his girlfriend ever grieved because she wouldn't have sat there and streamed it on Facebook for the world to see her husband, our boyfriend, dying. But we have to be fair on both 
sides. The family gets $3 million. Inez gets nothing. Nothing. What did he get out of this? Besides being a scapegoat for the city, being a scapegoat for the community, and just being a scapegoat in general. He got nothing. And mark my words, and just like I said in Baltimore and in St. Louis, officers there where Yanez was basically let go to be a scapegoat are going to be less reactive, less proactive to crime in that area. And mark my words, this time next year, the crime in that city is going to be higher than it is right now. It happened in Baltimore after six officers were arrested and called racist, even though most of them were uh, minority in the death of Freddie Gray. Officers were slower to respond and less proactive and crime spiked. In St. Louis, they're still talking about combating violent criminals in St. Louis. And guess what? Police are slower to react, less proactive, and the crime is up. So now you have another city where police are going to say, hey, it doesn't even pay for me to try to do my job because if I have to use force, and God forbid it's deadly force, then I'm automatically labeled a racist. I'm automatically going to have to go and prove that what I did was justified. And then at the end of the day, I'm going to lose my job. So for me, it's not worth it. So you mark my words that the crime rate in that city is going to go up. Now, I want to talk about a a shooting of a New York State trooper uh, that happened over the weekend. I believe it was Sunday. And Trooper Joel Davis uh, was shot and killed up in Teresa, New York. And I mentioned that this case was near and dear to me. And it's near and dear to me for several reasons. A, because a fellow law enforcement officer was shot and killed in the line of duty, responding to one of the most dangerous, as I've said countless times on this show, types of calls. He was responding to a domestic violence call where shots were fired. So automatically, already out of the gate, it's a very dangerous, very stressful call. This trooper responded. He was shot in the torso with the rifle. Uh, He laid in the ditch. Uh, for quite some time until backup arrived and they were able to get him out of there and transport him to the hospital. But unfortunately, of course, uh, he died at that hospital. Now, it was a domestic dispute. Um, The individual that shot the trooper actually had shot and killed his wife and shot another woman inside the home just before the trooper showed up. Now, the shooter's name is Justin Walters. And what's tragic about this, there's a few other words in front of his name. Staff Sergeant Justin Walters, active duty soldier 
at Fort Drum, New York, 10th Mountain Division. Now, I was stationed at 10th Mountain Division. That was my very first duty station. It's up in Fort Drum, New York, which is in the town of Watertown. It's about an hour north of Syracuse, and it's about 30 minutes from the Canadian border. Now, I can tell you that it's a very stressful unit station to be in because of the rapid deployment. You don't see your family a lot. The winters are brutal. When I say that, I mean 40 degrees below zero, six feet of snow, and you're still out there. You're still training. You're still deploying. Um, so this Justin Walters had done two tours over in Iraq and God knows wherever else he was stationed or deployed during his time at Fort Drum. And clearly I'm not making excuses because we don't know what happened inside that home to set this Justin Walters off between him and his wife. And I believe their small toddler child was inside the home. We don't know what happened. Um, but what I, I do know for a fact, especially at Fort Drum, because I've seen it with my own eyes way back in uh, 94 to 97 when I was stationed there. Oh, my God, I'm getting old. But anyway, what I have seen and what I do know is that, A, domestic violence is very high in the military. And it's even higher in units that are rapidly deployable like a Fort Drum. I can remember mornings at two in the morning, three in the morning, getting that call to get down to the orderly room to draw your weapon and not knowing if it's a training exercise or if it's the real deal. Not knowing once you get on that deuce and a half vehicle to head to the airfield, if you're actually deploying or if this is a readiness training exercise. And one thing I also know, and again, I don't know what happened in that house. I do know that army wives, especially the younger ones, she was 27, have a tendency to do things, let's just say do things they shouldn't do while their husband is away. I don't know if you ever saw the movie Jarhead. I believe that was the movie uh, where... A bunch of Marines are in the orderly room and they're watching a movie and all of a sudden this guy sees his wife on the screen having sex with another guy. That stuff really happens. I've seen it. I saw it at Fort Drum, New York. So we don't know what happened inside the house, but what I do know is this soldier who has been to two tours of Iraq and I'm sure he's deployed other places because he's been at Fort Drum since 2007. So I'm sure he's deployed to a few places. His mind is probably not in the right place. There was nothing where he has been able to deal with one deployment to the next. And he's at a place, a unit a station in one of the most dreaded bases ever. 
I hated every day of the three and a half years that I was at Fort Drum. When it snows on Mother's Day, as it did when I was there by last year, it snows on Mother's Day. That in itself is depressing because when the rest of the world is in shorts and T-shirts and you're still wearing winter coats because there's snow and there's a foot of snow in May, that can be depressing. And when you're away from your family, as much as you are as a soldier at Fort Drum, that can be depressing. It can mess with your mind. And if you don't know what your spouse is doing at all times, that can mess with your mind. There's a whole lot of stuff here. It's it's bigger than just the shooting of this trooper, which is tragic in itself, especially because you have two people, one sworn to protect and serve, the other who took an oath to defend the Constitution of the United States. So, in theory, essentially, you have two heroes, two American heroes, whose paths crossed tragically. One hero who was responding to protect and serve, and he was responding in the midst of danger. And then you have another hero who has gone across to third world countries, to Afghanistan, to Iraq, to protect and serve our freedoms, looking for ISIS, taking out the enemy. And then their paths cross tragically because of a domestic dispute that happened inside that home. But here, here's the reality of, of this. Uh, this is more common than probably people know because a, you always hear about police brutality and racism and yada, 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 but we never focus on the real issues. This is very common amongst soldiers, especially soldiers at units that are rapidly deployable. For instance, Fort Campbell, Fort Campbell, Kentucky in 2011, Robert Jenks was sentenced to 15 years for choking and stabbing his 21-year-old wife to death inside the home. Guess what? He did a lot of tours in Afghanistan. February of this year, Fort Campbell, again, 101st Airborne, very rapid deployment base. A soldier shot and killed his wife and her friend during a domestic dispute. September of 2009, again, Fort Campbell, Kentucky. 31-year-old Jonathan Clyde Downing was arrested for shooting his wife during a domestic dispute. And guess what? He had done several tours in Afghanistan. Do you see a pattern here? Do you think in all of these cases that these individuals were just these O.J. Simpson-type abusers who beat their wives on a regular basis and it finally escalated to murder? Well, I would submit something different, that these individuals who were assigned to these rapid deployment bases, who for many, many months had to go without seeing their families, for many, many months had to sit and stew and speculate 
what their spouse was doing and who they were doing it with and coming home and not feeling like they fit in because the kids haven't seen them in a while and they don't remember dad or they're scared of dad because dad still twitches at night when he sleeps or he jumps at the certain sounds. Maybe there's something else going on than just a simple domestic dispute. Maybe these guys are suffering from PTSD. I'll go even further. I know they're suffering from PTSD. I've been there. I've been to Fort Drum. I know what it does to your psyche. I know what it does to your family. Thankfully, thankfully, when I was at Fort Drum, my daughter was an infant. So she doesn't remember some of the things that I went through physically that at the time I didn't even know I was going through. I assure you her mother remembers. I assure you her mother remembers me acting like a complete ass for no apparent reason. But when I look back at it now, it was the environment I was in. I was trained to be this tough, no-nonsense, don't-take-crap-from-anybody person. But I wasn't really trained on how to come back and interact with those that were in my life and those that I supposedly loved. Those are the things you don't get taught in the military. Yeah, we'll send you to Afghanistan. Yeah, from 300 yards to this day, I can probably take you out with a rifle. Yeah, I can show you how to blow some stuff up. But I can't come home and tell you, oh, this is how you reintegrate yourself with your family. This is how you get comfortable around your kids and get your kids comfortable around you. I can't tell you that stuff because it was never taught to me. And I know I've been out of the army for a while, but I don't think it's being taught right now of how to deal with what you're seeing over there in Afghanistan or Kuwait or Bosnia or Haiti or wherever you're deployed to. Yeah, we can teach you how to look for the enemy. But we can't teach you how to be a human being with feelings. We can teach you how to shoot someone from 300 yards, but we can't teach you how to mentally stay focused and assure you that everything back home is okay because there's even cadences about your wife cheating on you while you're away and writing letters, dear Jody letters. All of that stuff happens. And it plays with your mind. It plays with your mind to the point that it escalates to you shooting your wife and a friend. And it escalates to the point of you shooting your wife and a state trooper. I got to tell you, PTSD is a real thing. It's a real threat to our men and women in uniform serving this country. There's a reason that 20 soldiers, 20 veterans a day commit suicide. There's a reason that soldiers are killing spouses when they return from deployments. 
There's a reason this stuff is going on. And the most important thing that the military can do for its members is to treat for PTSD, not wait until there's something that sets it off, but ongoing, we need to be treating our soldiers for PTSD, ongoing. Let's not wait until a trooper is killed. Let's not wait until a spouse is killed. Let's not wait until a child is killed. Let's get our soldiers, our men and women of this country, the help they need on an ongoing basis. That is how we prevent things like this from happening. That is how we prevent things that happened this Sunday from happening. This state trooper who is no longer with us died at the hands of someone who I believe was suffering from PTSD. It's way bigger than that domestic dispute that went on inside the home. And I submit that the domestic dispute was a result of PTSD. And with that, it's only fitting that tonight's 10-7 segment goes to Trooper Joel R. Davis. Trooper Davis was shot and killed in Teresa, New York, while responding to a domestic disturbance and shots fired call on 34371 Route 46. At some point during the incident, the male subject murdered his wife and wounded another woman who lived on the property. Trooper Davis was shot and killed after arriving at the scene. The subject, an active duty army member, surrendered as additional units arrived at the home. Trooper Davis had served with the New York State Police for four years and had previously served with the Jefferson County Sheriff's Office. He was survived by his wife and three children. End of watch was Sunday, July 9th. 2017, while most of us were either in church or on the couch or at a restaurant, this trooper was giving his life to protect and serve. My prayers to his family, Godspeed to him. My prayers to the shooter in this case, an Army veteran who I believe was suffering from PTSD. My prayers to all the men and women in uniform, who protect this country on a daily basis. I pray that you get the help that you need. I know I've been there. I still suffer from PTSD. It is nothing to laugh about, and it is definitely something that is very, very real. I want to thank you for listening tonight. As always, I love you, I thank you, and I will see you next week right here on RadioInfluence.com. To continue the conversation, get updates on the show, and to find out when you can see him on television, follow Vincent on Twitter at Vincent Hill TV. That's at Vincent Hill TV. This has been Beyond the Badge on Radio Influence. This is Jim Fannin, America's Zone Coach, and I'm excited about bringing my new podcast, The Jim Fannin Show, to RadioInfluence.com. Each week, we're going to talk about the zone and how this mindset can help you in all facets of your life. I'll give you all the tools you need to change your life and help guide you 
to become your genuine, authentic best self. With the only proven blueprint for attracting the zone mindset, I've helped transform millions of lives. In my 40 years of experience, I've coached CEOs and senior executives from 350 of the Fortune 500 companies in 50 different industries. I've coached professional athletes, Olympic gold medalists, Hall of Famers, all pros, all stars, entertainers, and so many more to help them gain the tools and techniques to create a life of simplicity, balance, and abundance. And now it's my privilege to bring these methods to you every week, along with some of my champion good friends as special guests. If you want to get in the zone in all you do, check out the Jim Fannin Show on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, TuneIn Radio, Google Play, and of course, RadioInfluence.com. 